Good morning and welcome to the January 19th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am joined today by John DeCani. It is a double shot episode in, in the sense that you get both of us. We are going to be talking about Royal Rumble 1992, which happened, I guess, 31 years ago today. So did I do the math right? 31, right? Yes, 31, yes. <laughs> so, uh, man, John, this is one that uh, a lot of people that were watching wrestling at the time uh, look back at this one as just like the best rumble that they can remember. There was a lot at stake. WWF Championship was on the line. It was vacated and on the line in the, uh, in the last match, the Royal Rumble itself. So January 19th, 1992, 17,000 people. John, this is a big one. Yeah, and sadly, uh, if, you, if you you look up the numbers, it was down significantly in pay-per-view buy rate from the year before for the, probably a, a host of reasons. But uh, a main reason was the black eye that the company had kind of had from the, the steroid scandal that was kind of going on that would eventually lead to the steroid trial. Uh, and you know, people who decided not to tune in missed an absolute all time classic. Yeah. You know, the, uh, interestingly, the rumble, the previous year, um, you know, wrestle by the time WrestleMania seven, uh, it might, no, six, seven rolls around the, I, the Iraq, the Gulf war is over, but during the rumble period where, slaughter was challenging for the championship it was not over so you had the kind of the combination there yeah, of... yeah we had, we had just fired our first missiles i think on january 17th of 1991 yeah. uh, which i only remember because it's my cousin's birthday and you know, it's kind of the the unofficial start of that war <clears throat> but you know they call it the hundred days war they call it the hundred hours war some of the especially the guys who fought in it but yeah it was it was it was put to rest by the time we get to uh wrestlemania uh but yeah the, the rumble itself it was fresh yeah and the reason i, I say that is it was it it was a because you mentioned the pay-per-view buys were down from the year before that year before rumble people universally um really loved that event too so um interesting interesting uh observation there but um the commentary team here is gorilla monsoon and bobby the brain heenan Backstage, we have Lord Alfred Hayes, Gene Okerlund, Sean Mooney. Uh, I have a note that Jesse Ventura actually debuted on WCW at Clash of the Champions in the same week as this Royal Rumble. So, How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you're missing Jesse, uh, you'll have to change the channel. And I have been kicking myself for 31 years because I grew up in upstate New York, and this took place in Albany, New York, about 45 minutes from where I grew up. Uh, I would have been, I mean, I would have been eight years old when this happened, uh, but recently eight. So it could have been a great birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it, when you, when you look back and you realize how close you were to something this big, like, oh, oh, if, you know, like, and I, and I don't, I don't know about your childhood, but I, when I was eight years old, I wasn't necessarily asking to go to paper. I'm not sure I was asking really to go to movies at the time, but yeah. looking back on it, I, I like you, I, I, I'd be kicking myself. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, I, it, 
I don't think it ever occurred to me to go to a wrestling show till I was like 16. So, right. <laughs> you know. um, now the show opens with Vince McMahon naming all of the competitors. Uh, and he says, it's time to rumble. It's time for the Royal Rumble. And I love that little intro. I like it when they introduce all of the various people. Uh, and John, you were, you know, as as they did go through all the people, you were mentioning to me before the show started, a lot of people could, a lot of people could have, different people could have won this. Yeah, I mean, think to yourself of, you know, your life as a wrestling fan. You go into the Rumble, and you've probably got, you know, that. Unfortunately, there are some years you pretty much know who's going to win. And other years, you got two, maybe three, maybe four even guys who could possibly win. Consider this for this Rumble. As we learned from the Ultimate Warrior episode of The Dark Side of the Ring, Jake Roberts was supposed to run a program with him where Jake would take the title from him. And this was uh, in uh, summer of 91. So we as we get to this event, that never happened, but Jake is very over. And he is a legitimate possible, you know, winner of this event. You, ha you have to have him in mind. And he's a guy that, you know, as many as he's been in prior and in the future, not necessarily. A, but this was the heart of if he was going to get a push to the title, this would have been it. And this is a way that if someone didn't necessarily want to work with him, he didn't have to pin anybody to win it here. So if you're going to put the belt on him, this is a heck of a way to do it. You got Randy Savage who is a former champ, just come back, just coming off one of the hottest angles of the year with Jake that led to the whole Cobra bite and uh, such and such in incident. You got Roddy Piper, who is enjoying a career renaissance. And Vince loves firsts and Vince loves wacky things. He would win a title on this card. So to be the first man to ever win two titles at one, one night at one pay-per-view, you had to have him, uh, you know, somewhere on that list and they made a lot of that like it was Absolutely. it was a refrain throughout the entire show yeah yeah you have hulk hogan who is hulk hogan you yeah. have the undertaker who in him and hulk the whole reason the the belt is vacated at this point was the the weird swapping back back and forth between hogan and undertaker leading up to it so those two guys are your most recent two champions they've got to be at you know somewhere near the top of your list you got Sid Justice. I, I often, you know, bust chops and say that Vince McMahon is a size queen. Sid Justice checks all the boxes. This is exactly the kind of guy that you look at and you say, absolutely, Vince might put the belt on this guy. And, of course, you have Ric Flair, who has, you know, gone on calling himself the real world's champion. And, you know, kind of the, the whole night is especially from the commentary position is all about Ric Flair and his chances in this match. That's seven legitimate possible winners. I dare you to find another year where there's that many people who had a legitimate chance to win. Yeah, it's it's an impressive list. Um, and, you know, the, the Bulldog was also on the rise. I don't think anybody was really considering him as a potential winner, but he was on the rise here. He would win the Intercontinental Championship by the end of this year. The million dollar man was also in here. And I don't, again, not somebody that people might think of as a favorite, but it, depending on what list you look at, he's also a former champion, sort of, in a way. Um, he's he been was definitely trying to 
by the title, you know, previously. So yeah, there, there's certainly with his money, there's something underhanded he could do to, you know, be there at the end of this one. Right. Right. Uh, you mentioned Jake, uh, you know, even in, again, nobody expects this guy to win, but Colonel Mustafa, a former champion himself, right? Iron Sheik is in this match. I, did you mention Sergeant Slaughter in your list? You know, he had he was a champion really recently, within the last year to this. So you had you had a good field here uh, for the 1992 Royal Rumble, um, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that match in a second. Let's talk about the undercard, but. Uh, I think we've set up the 92 Rumble well. I think most people probably know who who won it. I don't think we're, you know, keeping any secrets here or anything. Um, but uh, the show, like I mentioned, the show opened with Vince McMahon naming all the people, some of which we just named. Um, and then Gorilla, Monsoon, and um, and Bobby Heenan. We see Gorilla and Bobby Heenan. And Gorilla's got those rose-colored glasses on, of course. So a, a nice shot of them in the, to, to kick off the show. And then... The opening contest is the New Foundation, uh, Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart, versus the Orient Express, which is represented by Pat Tanaka and Kato, uh, with Mr. Fuji as the manager. This goes 17 minutes. Uh, That's longer than most of the matches at the first WrestleMania. Yeah, and... And uh, you know the the brains the brains on it right out of the gate. And one of his first comments are uh, is uh, you know, look at these guys, the new foundation. They just woke up. They're still in their pajamas, <laughs> uh, and and they were wearing odd ring gear. But uh, it, it, I mean, this match just it warms your heart watching Owen do things that no one was doing at that time, and just just remembering how young he is in the business, how young he is here on the you know in the wwf and just watching him go just what a pleasure uh, and they had good sparring partners too uh tanaka and kato are were not uh randomly thrown together when when sato left uh, kato is paul diamond paul diamond uh is is not is from croatia then he moved to winnipeg <laughs> And then he spent some college years in Norfolk, Virginia. And then he played in the North American Soccer League in Calgary and Tampa Bay. There is nothing Japanese about this man. Um, <laughs> Pat Tanaka is from Hawaii, so there's nothing Japanese about him either. <laughs> so, uh, But uh, Paul Diamond would actually later wrestle as Max Moon. Uh, the Max Moon character was developed for Conan, but it ended up being Paul Diamond. Um but Tanaka and Diamond had wrestled before this in Memphis in AWA, and uh, so they were known as Bad Company uh, before, and then afterwards in ECW and WCW they were Bad Company. So sure. Tanaka and uh, and Paul Diamond. So uh, so interesting. They like like reform here in the WWF as the Orient Express, but not a team that was just thrown together. Certainly not. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so a line from this match that I wrote down, just like the midnight express, the Orient express will be tough to derail. Now that comes from gorilla monsoon. And here's what I know about the midnight express. 
The Midnight Express either refers to a prison breakout or a pro wrestling tag team managed by Jim Cornette. Those are your two options. So I'm not sure if Gorilla knew exactly what he was saying here, but I thought it was kind of funny that uh, he, in, in some way, he kind of like puts over the Midnight Express who have never been anywhere near the WWF. Yeah. <laughs> and this is not the new Midnight Express. You know, We'll get to them soon. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The Rocket Owen Hart hits a big splash with some extra oomph from the anvil. He gets the pinfall victory. Three and a quarter stars on the Meltzer scale. This was a uh, one of the better matches uh, that you would see in the WWF that year. So. Absolutely. Very well deserved. It was, it was a, a really good way to kick off what turned out to be a hell of a card. Absolutely. So talking about drama regarding titles. Lord Alfred Hayes explains the events that took place in Springfield, Massachusetts, just a couple of days before this show. Um, and essentially what happened is Bret Hart was wrestling with what they said was a 104 degree temperature or whatever. And so the Mountie beat him. So what? And Bobby Heenan's wrestled with 113 degree fever. I got that note myself. <laughs> Bret wrestled with 104 degree temperature, but that's okay. Bobby wrestled with 113. Yes, I get that. <laughs> Uh, Sean Mooney was with the Mountie and Jimmy Hart. Hart said Brett is sick from losing. And Rougeau says he'll do to Piper what he did to Brett. He's going to take Piper's skirt, his manhood, and whatever's left of him because the Mountie always gets his man. <laughs> so uh, the fun cartoon promos from these guys, uh, especially the Mountie in this time, you know, priceless stuff, you know. Um, there's some, some drama about Brett going to WCW at this time, which is uh, the majority of the reason why Brett lost the title here. Yeah, and he, you know, if if you believe the rumors, he was supposed to debut two days later, as you had earlier mentioned, at Clash of Champions, and the idea was as payback for Flair showing up with the big gold and calling yeah. himself the real world champion. Brett was going to show up with the IC title, and you know, here, here we are again. You know, Vince worrying about one of his titles showing up in another company. Uh, let's let's take care of this at a house show. Get the belt off Brett. He had pretty good reason to at this point. He was stirring the pot himself. You know, basically, I think that the way this goes is like Vince kind of viewed that as the ultimate fu, and he was more than happy to do it any chance he could. Exactly. So he was fearful of receiving it. So, <laughs> um, so we just talked about the Mounties promo. That's pretty good. Then you've got Roddy Piper. And and Piper as you know, he we look back at Piper with such fondness for his uh you know his, his promos and stuff, but he always walks the line. And you know, his WrestleMania six match and promo doesn't even exist anymore if you go out and look at Peacock. Um this one's not as bad, but he does make jokes that probably wouldn't fly today. You know, he's mainly homosexual type jokes that he's making. He says, what we're dealing is with, what we're dealing with is one of the original village people. I'm going to take Roddy Piper's integrity. He says, that's like Jacques Cousteau looking for a dry spot in the ocean. I ain't got no integrity. How do you think I got so far? Next thing I'm going to do is take his manhood. Dramatic pause. I came here to fight. I don't know what you came here to do. I came here to win two titles. I can't do that until I win the first one. And so Piper, you know, passionate promo, crazy guy, 
uh, fun stuff. And uh, I I enjoy a good Piper promo, even if uh, even even if you watered the line. <laughs> I ain't got no integrity. How do you think I got this far? You got a little Roddy Piper. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. <laughs> so Piper wins here with uh, the sleeper hold. He he gets a he gets a the mounty and a sleeper hold. He gets the win. And John, I want to ask because I have been thinking about this the last couple of days. Is a sleeper a victory with the sleeper? Is that a submission or is it a referee stop? I think it's a referee stop, right? Yeah, well, and especially in this uh, particular uh, match, that you know, we went to the old drop the arm three times gimmick. So that is yeah. absolutely a referee stoppage. So yeah, I suppose yeah. you could. Uh, when I was a kid, I always considered the the sleeper a submission victory, but modern wrestling has taught me that it's a referee stop. So. There you go. <laughs> um, the Mountie actually skinned the cat in this uh, in this uh, uh, match, and then he hit Piper from behind, who was dealing with Jimmy Hart. Piper evaded, put Mountie in the sleeper, and then after the match, Piper used the shock stick on the Mountie to get the uh, the and new one and three quarter stars on the Meltzer scale. But uh, another question I have that you have no business of knowing, but maybe you know it's just something to throw around here. Um, recently, I watched something where the Mountie used the shock stick. And it made no noise. When Piper used the shock stick here, it did make noise. But I I kind of wondered if it was from the shock stick or if it was somebody at ringside that had like a buzzer. Right, was, there some, was there some phone <laughs> work going on there? I, I literally thought the same thing as I was watching it because like it must be something that we were discussing because I just saw a match with the Mountie where it fell flat because he used yeah. the shock stick and there was no sound. And I did take note of the fact that it made noise here, but I don't know where it came from. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Now we know. <laughs> so, um, of course, this would set Piper and Brett on a collision course for WrestleMania eight. And I also remember fond Piper and Brett promo before that match. Uh, and I, I remember the match fondly uh, because it was a babyface, babyface match, and I was going to be happy either way. Uh, but it was a good match, probably one of the best matches of Piper's career at sure. wrestling eight. So, so th this one had good implications for down the road. Now there were some Coliseum home video exclusives that they have incorporated into. Obviously, if you were watching the Coliseum home video uh, version of this, you could you could see. Uh, but also on the Peacock stream, they they included them, and I think it's weird because, um, especially when Lord Al Alfred Hayes talks to Ric Flair later in the day, later in the in the show, but here he's talking with Hulk Hogan, and Hulk is like not even in Hulk character for this. It's a very weird promo. Didn't I mean he's he talks about sipping tea and stuff with Lord Alfred? It's very weird Hogan promo. Promo not yes. not done in his style at all. Yeah, exactly. Like his lordship seems to walk in on him while he's, you know, just finished dressing or something like that. It's just, it's a very awkward, very unhulk promo. Yeah, there was no. Let me tell you something, brother. What you gonna do? None of that. None of that was in there. He's like, sure, you can have the word. <laughs> you know, it was very weird. Uh, mean Gene with the Bushwhackers and Jameson. Now this was just exactly what you'd expect from Luke and Butch. They say it's going to be the Beverly Sisters' final fling. So, uh, and then, so the next match is the Beverly brothers with the genius 
going up against the Bushwhackers with Jameson. The Beverly Brothers would get the win. Um, but Gorilla Monsoon's talking a lot about hard times in this match. So I'm thinking he's just watched the Dusty promo. So so I think Monsoon was like he he like he realized all of a sudden that there was some good stuff on the on a different channel that he should pay attention to. Now the hard times was many years prior to this, but still. I, he might have been studying up on some Ric Flair and saw the Midnights on the undercard and he you know saw the Hard Times promo or something. But yeah, uh, funny observation, I guess. From yeah, clearly it was fresh in his mind to some degree. Uh, an interesting fact that I found up, uh, I found out while uh, you know looking through this stuff. Uh, you know, Jameson is one of those characters that you know he, he was there and then he was gone, and you don't really you know he, he's I don't think he's doing a lot of wrestling signings nowadays or anything like that. He is actually a New York area based comedian named uh, John DiGiacomo. Do you remember Extreme Rules 2014? I know this is taking us way off topic here. Uh, the cage match between Bray Wyatt and John Cena, where the small child, they did something to alter his voice. He sings, you know, got the whole world in his hands and it freaks out yeah. Cena. And he can't. That's Jameson's son all those oh. years later and oh. he did not get he got the role through whatever you know however kids get jobs at the age of nine or ten whatever he is he did not get it through jameson jameson bumps into vince mcmahon backstage and says hey do you remember me and vince goes well, you know obviously did not it was oh yeah you know i'm having trouble placing you but i feel like i know you and then jameson kind of like you know pulled on his tie to you know you know ruffle himself up and made the jameson face and Vince goes Oh my God! And gave him a big hug and this, that, and the other. And like, <laughs> it had nothing to do with his old WWF connections that his son got that job, but he was backstage all those years later, kind of got reintroduced to Vince McMahon. That's a cute story. That is really. <laughs> um, Anywho. Another uh, speaking of cute, uh, the external occipital protuberance comes up in this, and the the brain and and uh, monsoon have a little spat about that. So that's fun. <laughs> As I just finished scratching mine. Very nice. <laughs> uh, the Beverly Brothers won with a double axe handle off the top rope. Uh, Gorilla seems just upset that they used, uh, you know, double team type maneuvers here to get the win. But, uh, but even though the Beverly sisters won, the they did get to see a pair of battering rams and in the match. Plus Jameson, he got to exact some revenge with a kick to the shin and a kick to the back of the genius. Lanny Poffo yeah. stole it well. After a long wind up with the arm, the devastating shin kick. Yes, Jim that's James right. And <laughs> a hell really of a finish. <laughs> Negative one and a half stars on the Meltzer scale. <laughs> well earned. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mean Gene Okerlund is with the Legion of Doom. And, you know, he, Hawks, promo, Hawks promo here. Uh, the cartoonish. Stuff is just great. You know what makes us sick besides everything? Earthquake <laughs> and typhoon. They want to throw their weight around. Well, we want to throw their weight around too. <laughs> and their tongues are going to be hanging out like dead deers. Uh, no, what a rush here. I felt like it was totally robbed on the show. <laughs> like, what the heck? Yeah, so, and good. I, the fact that they got nine and a half minutes out of this match was. Uh, applaudable i suppose because you know <laughs> you know you weren't going to get a doomsday device here 
and it wound, <laughs> wound up being a count out. So nine and a half minutes. Uh, yeah, cheers, fellas. <laughs> the disasters win. Uh, and they acted like they should have won the belts. Like they had not been wrestlers for all they this were time. Totally confused and furious that they did not get the titles on a count out. <laughs> Jimmy Hart's going to get an attorney, a lawyer or something like it makes no sense to me whatsoever. So he's calling his lawyer. The natural disasters insist that they should be champions. Now, the other, the other interesting thing here is the earthquake is, um, you know, he is he was a challenger for Hogan during the Hogan, you know, run as champion. And he's not in this uh, Royal Rumble, I guess, you know, his his path had certainly veered away from the WWF championship by the time we get around here, but he would have been another one of those guys that we could have been talking about as a potential winner if he had been kept strong for the sure, like sure. Three years and, there. Yeah. And it also, you know, not only was he not necessarily kept strong, but it, it was, it was a point of note that I, I believe now granted the Royal Rumble is not that old 88, not on television, yep. 89 pay-per-view. Uh, but it's it's a point of note that Roddy is the first person to ever pull double duty. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, okay, so it's time for the rumble. We get yeah. the classic backstage interviews, uh, a whole series of them. People talking talking about the match. Um, Sean Mooney is with Sean Michaels. Now, Sean Michaels. The thing that's interesting here is that. This is just days after the barbershop window incident. So all of, you know, like this is a kind of a crazy time in wrestling when you think about all the little things that are happening. You know, the, you had the Hogan Undertaker thing that you had talked about, Ric Flair winning this title. The pivotal moment in the, the whole Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty story um, here. So Michael says he saved Jannetty 29 other beatings. So... <laughs> Yeah, and Janetti, I, I guess the plan was to probably keep him off TV to sell the injuries, but I, I think he got arrested and it, it really wasn't left up to the WWF to decide that for him. So he yeah. was not available. He was, so I think I, they they said he was subbed in, but I don't who subbed in for him, but I don't remember which person it was. But um, uh, was and then you get the. Volkov or Skinner, right? One of the two, right? Uh, or Haku. Haku was the other one. Okay. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, uh, this is the Coliseum uh, exclusive with Ric Flair here. And Ric Flair t says he drew number three, which is a ridiculous spoiler. If you're watching this show with no, in no information about what's going on in, in the time period here, the whole show is built around Bobby Heenan wondering what number Rick got. And he's hoping he gets, you know, a late number, you know, 18, 20 or something like that. Sure. Uh, and Flair just tell, says, I got number three, but it makes no difference. Man. Yeah. They, and then, the, but, you know, they cut back into the arena and Heenan and Monsoon are still talking. And Heenan is pretending he still doesn't know. Like, exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, pop or you know, start to almost cry until Flair comes through the curtain at three. Right. And, and, so, and it wasn't part of the live broadcast. And, and as a matter of fact, I have in my possession over there a Coliseum home video VHS of the 92 Rumble. 
And I don't think it even is even is even in there. So I don't really know where these came from. So whatever. Yeah, I'm sure they filmed uh, the whole these nuggets that don't make it. That one made it and was just ill placed. Yes. Yes. Uh okay. And then Mean Gene introduces a whole bunch of other people that that talk. And there's some fun promos here. Macho Man says he's been to the top of the mountain and he's going back. Sid Justice explains to us, just in case we're stupid or idiots or not paying attention, that the man who's standing last will be the World Wrestling Federation champion. Um, thank you. Repo Man says he loves to take things, and today he's got the chance to take the biggest prize of them all. Was there a Sid Justice comment you had there? Oh, no, no. Just I, I just giggle whenever Sid uh, you know, is explaining to us the, you know, the morons. It is amazing how he can say so much without moving his mouth. That's the you know the weirdest thing. Um, the British Bulldog talks about how he won a battle royal at Royal Albert Hall. And, you know, compares the two things. Jake the Snake says, "For twenty nine other men, it's going to be a big disappointment. He would never disappoint himself, but you, I don't mind." So, uh, good promo by by Jake, uh, Mister Perfect with Ric Flair. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Today we find out who's the fairest of them all. To be the man, you have to beat the man. Paul Bears with The Undertaker. Standing atop this mass carnage will be The Undertaker. And then Hulk Hogan wants to prove to the whole world the power of Hulkamania. So there you go. And now it's time for the Royal Rumble. Yes, sir. Fink lays out the, the ground rules for us. We get Jack Tunney out there to basically say, may the best man win, and away we go. Right, and I'm so, uh, so we were talking a little bit before the, the show. We don't really know how to go through the whole rumble because we don't want to go kind of blow by blow and entrant by entrant. But the first person out is the British Bulldog, uh, and he is, second, he is accompanied by Ted DiBiase. That's number one and two. And it's kind of, I guess there was like, we want to, we you know, Flair ended up being number three. Um so I guess they wanted to keep that suspense just a little bit longer for when Flair was going to make his entrance, because why not put him right there at one or two, you know? Well, that, that apparently it was Heenan's idea, you know, to for Flair not only to win it, but for Flair to do it from – he wanted him in the one or two spot. He wanted him out there early. And I, I read a couple of different articles that kind of formed it as – Vince decided to make him number three, so then it could be his genius idea that he went over an hour. So it was, you know, they, they, so it was Heaney came up with the idea of let's make him go. You know, this Ric Flair, he's a sixty-minute man, woo. But uh, Vince went, but what if <laughs> Flair, Flair winds up at three? Yeah. Well, uh, Vince would use his Heenan's idea later. You know, people would win from number one later, but. Uh, the Bulldog gets three eliminations, uh, Teddy Biasi being one of them. He was somewhat of an Iron Man. He, he had lasted a long time in previous Rumbles, but he only lasted a minute 18 here. He got tossed out by the Bulldog. Bulldog also got rid of Jerry Sags and Haku, so, uh, which were numbers uh, four and five. So, Shawn Michaels comes in at number six, and... The thing that's interesting to me about the Shawn Michaels run in this Battle of Royal, he's in there for over 15 minutes. Uh, and he and Tito Santana, Santana comes in at seven. Santana's in there for 13, over 13 minutes, almost 14. The two of them tumble out together. And so 
I know that these two wrestle each other in the opener of WrestleMania eight. Sure. And I was, do you recall John from this time period is this moment here? What kind of pro- projected into that opening contest or did, was there a feud beforehand? And that, that was always my assumption because, you know, Sean is really, he's busy right now with Janetti. So the only real tie that I, that I remember at least to get them from this moment to the mania match is, you know, sending each other over the top rope and a double elimination. Okay. Well, there you have it. They were each other's only eliminations in this, uh, in this, in this match. Uh, the barbarian comes in next at number eight and then the Texas tornado. And what it was interesting to me about uh, the Texas tornado, Carrie Von Eric coming in, Flair and Carrie immediately are at each other's throats and uh, almost like, you know, just, just if you know about their history and how Carrie took the NWA title from Rick, like back in 83, I think. So it's, you know, it's like 10 years earlier. Like if you know that, then it's a pretty cool moment. And also, yeah. they actually had some matches in uh, in WWF as well. But you know, it, a nice little nod if you knew that. Yeah, Carrie like, takes him right to the corner, yeah, hits him with a bunch of punches. Eventually, the tornado punch, and Flair does the signature flop, stepping out of the corner. And uh, just to see that in the Royal Rumble is special on its own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Repo Man, he's in here. He, you know, Demolition Smash, but as the Repo Man, he's in. He gets two eliminations, Nikolai Volkov and Greg Valentine. Uh, and that's pretty good considering he only is in there for six and a half minutes about. But the next two guys are Valentine and Volkov, who almost immediately go out, I guess. But Valentine's also another one of those guys. They were making a lot out of the fact that he is sort of an Iron Man. He's, you know, he's somebody who who can go a long time. Uh, and this is the face version of Valentine that we see here. And uh, he doesn't go that long. Yeah. And getting back to your mention of Volkov, who again, doesn't last that long. As we said earlier, he's a last minute fill in for Marty Jannetty and he's not, okay. He's, he's Nikolai Volkov. So if you're not watching anything WWF related and you throw yourself back into it, he's Nikolai Volkov is former tag champ, you, you know, side by side with the iron Sheik for a lot of his career. But if you're in the moment and you're, you know, you remember what was going on at the time, He's not been seen at all on WWE television since Survivor Series 1990. So this was not, you know, just, oh, here's a guy who wasn't planned to be in and we just plugged him back in. This was like really filling a void with a guy who had been off TV for more than, you know, almost 18 months. Yeah. And a former champion, uh, tag team champion with another guy who will show up later. Um, So... Uh, the boss man is in next. The boss man's the one who eliminates the repo man. He's followed by Hercules. Boss man eliminates Hercules as well. Uh, and then around this time, I think just about everybody kind of got tossed out, right? When because Roddy Piper came out to a somewhat empty ring, right? And, he, yeah, and uh, Flair and the boss man uh, kind of square off with one another. Uh, and at this point, Heenan, uh, you know, the, the room is spinning. I need oxygen. Uh, you know, moron, go get me a drink and make sure it's something with a kick. I mean, as I've said before, this is just this is 60 minutes of chef's kiss perfection heel commentary. Uh, but yes, when uh, when Flair eventually takes care of Boss Man, he's all alone. 
uh, just before Piper enters at 15. Yes. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, and Piper, again, the whole story about he could win two titles this night. So, and, and Piper lasts 35 minutes. He is the 26th person to get thrown out. So he's deep. He goes deep into this. Um, After Piper, we get Jake Roberts. After Roberts, we get Jim Duggan. Now, uh, Jim Duggan, 20 minutes. If If you were to say, hey, Ryan, how long did Jim Duggan last in the 1992 Royal Rumble? I would have said eight minutes. As my guess, he gets twenty. He gets over twenty minutes here. Shocked me. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and this is a this is a great just chunk of time in this rumble. Uh, so backing up a little bit from Duggan, uh, you get like as we said, uh, Flair's alone for a moment. Piper comes in. He almost immediately gets Flair up in uh, an airplane spin. And Heenan is almost into, oh, come on. Like you can hear his voice kind of wavering. Uh, then um, Piper applies the sleeper as Jake enters, and Jake just kind of goes over to the corner and waits for a moment. And yeah. then he gets involved in the two. And he, he kind of, when he comes over, he kind of knocks Piper aside. And now Jake is going at it with Flair. And we have maybe my favorite moment of the whole thing where. Uh, Piper eventually gets back up just before Jake's ready to deliver a DDT and not necessarily a move. He just kind of bumps into them and all three of them kind of fall down, but he saves flair from that DDT and Heenan immediately says, I never thought I'd say this. Thank you, Roddy. It's a kilt, not a skirt. (laughs) 12 seconds later, Piper kicks Jake. Then he kicks flair and Heenan immediately goes, get off of him. You skirt wearing freak. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every time i watch this i'm almost in tears laughing at that moment and oh. uh, it's, it's 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 as i said it's just it's a 60 minute performance by flair it's a 60 plus minute performance by heenan and both of them are first ballot hall of fame jobs absolutely absolutely um i did make a note that uh and since both these guys have been eliminated uh, Flair took a couple of finishers in this. He took a, a flying forearm from Tito Santana, and he took the uh, what was the other one I had wrote down? Uh, oh, and Valentine put him in the figure four, which I yeah. thought was a fun uh, fun moment, uh, you know, for Flair to get sort of his just just desserts there. So, uh, okay, so we are up to Jim Duggan, who again a twenty minute performance by him. IRS comes in next, and then Jimmy Snuka, and then The Undertaker. And you had mentioned, once again, the odd that they were back-to-back. You had mentioned when we talked about WrestleMania Seven that they refer to, and again here, Monsoon refers to Jimmy Snuka as the Phenom. Yeah, ah, uh, okay. There you go. Um, yeah, weird. I, I wonder when that Phenom thing got transferred to taker then as we're obviously we're going to you know do these as they go along well maybe we'll get to pick it up a little bit but you pointed it out uh i had totally not even recognized it the first time but because you put it in my brain i very much i immediately my ears perked up when it happened here 
Yep, yep. Snuka only lasts two minutes, 27 seconds. His uh, WrestleMania opponent from the previous year tosses him right out. So. Yeah, and, if, and and for some reason, Flair goes right at The Undertaker after he tosses out uh, Snuka and finds himself goozled. You know, Taker's got him by the throat. And once again, he is like, what is wrong with you? Why would you walk up to that man? <laughs> Leave him alone. Get away. Oh, God. It, it, it's so, it's frantic. It's just wonderful, his performance here. Savage is in next, and uh, he ultimately gets rid of Jake the Snake. So uh, probably pretty soon after he comes in, too. Yeah, when he first gets in, Jake has kind of disappeared. You know, he yeah. kind of rolls out and kind of hides. And then eventually he comes back in. Savage finds him and goes right after him. And Savage eliminates himself and Jake. He, yeah. he doesn't. He tosses Jake. And then he goes out to beat him up some more. He could have gone in between the ropes. No, he goes over the top rope to go down there and beat Jake up, thereby eliminating himself. But he doesn't. He actually gets back in the ring. And they make a big thing out of the fact that nobody threw him over. So he actually stays in. And Savage right. stays in. He's actually uh, in the final four of yeah. this event. And, so. and that's the thing. Yeah, that's uh, I'm misreading my own notes here. But, like, that's the, the in today's day and age, that would be eliminated. Yeah. <laughs> he went He went over the top. He went to the floor. But, yes, they, they make a point of uh, pointing out, well, because he was not tossed out. And I, you, you got to assume it's one of those things where, yes, Randy was supposed to go down there and beat on Jake a little bit, but he wasn't supposed to slingshot himself over the top rope to get there. Exactly. And they're, you know, being pros on the fly, making up for it. And that's where we get, well, he wasn't tossed out, so he gets to get back in. Right, right. The Berserker is in next, and his specialty is throwing people over the top rope and taking count-out victories. However, in the Royal Rumble, he manages to eliminate no one. So, <laughs> all right. Virgil's in next. Virgil and Duggan actually do uh, uh, eliminate each other. So that's how Virgil, uh, or how Jim Duggan finally goes out here uh, at the hands of Virgil. Colonel Mustafa in next. Mustafa, uh, you know, the Iron Sheik, I'm wearing his shirt. You know, it's a weird one. He's accompanied by General Adnan here, and this is after Slaughter's face turn. I didn't really remember him sticking around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he I barely remember him from his uh, his time there. And uh yeah, you told me he's got he's got quite a history and whatnot, but uh yeah, he's one of those figures that uh I, he's hey, he's very much a part of a specific moment in time, and then I don't have really much memory of him after that at all. Adnan, you're talking about the the Sheik yeah, is yeah. a different story, yeah. Um, Rick Martel in next. Now Rick Martel is the, I believe he was the record holder up until Flair, right? And so yes, well, they talk about it at the top of this match. He is the current record holder, like 53 minutes something seconds. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Martell is in at 25. Then we have Hogan, Skinner, Slaughter, Sid Justice, and the Warlord to round it all out. And uh, Hogan gets three eliminations. Justice gets four. Uh, the Warlord barely sticks sticks around. He goes right out within two minutes. Same thing for Skinner. So, uh, But when it comes down to it, your final four are Piper, Savage, 
Hogan, just okay, this is your final five. Hogan, Justice, and Flair. So those are your those are your final five. And Flair ends up getting rid of Savage. He ends up getting uh and then Roddy Piper. Who gets rid of Roddy Piper? Sid Justice gets rid of Roddy Piper. So you're you you're when you by the time you get to your final three, it's Hogan, Justice, and Flair. And Justice tosses Hogan out. And it's like it's a legal toss, but Hogan views it as a betrayal, and he reaches up and he grabs Justice and Flair, hoists him up, and there he goes. So that's how you get the uh, the Ric Flair win here. Uh, and then you think, like when when I think of Rumble '92, I think of the big celebration of Ric Flair, the big promo afterwards. The funny thing is, he he hightails it right out of here. He leaves um, because there's a big angle between justice and hogan taking place in the ring yeah yeah and, and going back to the top here let's see uh every man for himself yeah i'm sorry never mind i'm getting ahead of myself i'm thinking about something in uh at wrestlemania 8 but yeah uh, once again you have this this all-time great you know winning the title in this unbelievable way 60 plus minutes in the rumble and hey let's make room for hogan to do his thing you know, we yeah. get, we gotta we gotta send them home happy with him posing. Uh, you know, he, or, 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 you know he's not actually posing here because he doesn't win. It's actually a down moment for him, but it's all about Hogan, which yeah. you know, as a kid, I was well, I'm not I'm in high school. I'm graduating high school this year, but uh, I, it's still just I'm watching it and going like, really, come on. <laughs> I mean, the good news is though, I mean they're. They did leave the Hogan Justice thing and go over to Flair, and they did a backstage promo with him, and it was one of the best, one of the most memorable promos of all time, I think, uh, especially of this era. And uh, and we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But a lot of people thought we were getting Hogan and Flair for the championship at eight. It was uh, it was the front running match, and we, in fact, WWF had advertised it as such in Japan, and. Yeah. They yeah, a lot of people wrote articles uh, about how, you know, WWF botched this, about how that absolutely was the match to make. You have Hogan and Flair on your roster. How do you not put them together at the, the showcase of the Immortals? But uh, yeah. we all know where that's going, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in March. That's right. That's right. Okay, so Ric Flair's promo. He says, I am going to tell you with a tear in my eye that this is the greatest moment of my life. The only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. When you are the champion of the WWF, you rule the world. And then Mean Gene Oakland says, put that cigarette out in the middle of this incredible promo. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is in the room of consequence at this point? <laughs> Y'all pay homage to the man. This is how he closes it out. And John, you had the winged eagle there over your shoulder for just a second. Yeah, th this is what it's all about right here. This beautiful, beautiful piece of hardware. This is what everybody was fighting for. And as you said, you know, the famous line with a tear in my eye. And yeah, every time I see this, I get a little tear in my eye as well. <laughs> so one of the greatest pay-per-views uh in, in my memory and uh it was fun to watch it back here for the 31st anniversary 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, that you will, you will never have to twist my arm to watch this. I went a long time without watching it. And yep. uh, just to give, give you a little, a little story. Our, our good buddy, Al Carl was over my house when I still live with my brother one time. And it was just a, it was a lazy Saturday or something like that. And we were all kind of drinking and he was like, Oh, let's He went over to the DVD shelf and I had had the DVD, but I don't think I had, it might've even still had the shrink wrap around it. I hadn't cracked it since purchasing it and we threw it in, we watched it and we had a hell of a time. And it was probably the first time I had seen it in 20 years. And now in the last 10, I've probably seen it another five or six times because it's just that good and just that worth it. When you watched it to prepare for this show, did you take the shrink wrap? To, uh, did you watch the DVD or did you do watch the stream? Uh, I, I went with the stream this time just because half the stuff in my apartment's packed up. I could not imagine where that DVD is right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I, I have. I don't have a DVD. I have a VHS of it. I, <laughs> those things. Those things. Just. Uh, I, I always, I'm always afraid. Like, is this going to be the time that I put it in the VCR and VCR eats it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and the stream is right there, readily available. So, there we go. Let's make All sense. right, that's that, everybody. We are going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for joining us on this extended edition of the Daily Wrestling News Show. Uh, you could listen to ten other episodes of the Daily Wrestling News Show in the time that it took you to listen to this today. So, I appreciate <laughs> uh, bearing with us as we just kind of fan out over WrestleMania ninety two. WrestleMania ninety two. Royal Rumble 1992. We'll save the WrestleManias for March. But uh, for John, I'm Ryan. We will see you with a brand new episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show uh, tomorrow. See you.